Like Call It What You Want, which we know is your favorite podcast about the beautiful game, Viore is committed to delivering a great experience for everyone, which is highlighted by their new perspective on performance apparel. Everything is designed to work out in, but doesn't look or feel like it. In fact, I'm rocking their Stratotech polo right now, along with their Sunday performance jogger pants, so I can be business on top when I'm on camera, but super comfortable on the bottom. And it's just the best. Fiori gear is incredibly versatile, and it can be used for just about any activity. Running, training, swimming, lounging around, hosting podcasts, doing errands, whatever your heart desires, because Viore is an investment in your happiness. And for our listeners, they are offering 20% off your first purchase. So go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com slash call it. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash call it. Not only will you receive 20% off your first purchase, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Go to viore.com slash call it and discover the versatility of Viore clothing. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Yes! What is up, everyone? And welcome to Mike McGee's favorite podcast. It's not we trust. I'm Jimmy Trashcan, Cream Cheese, Connor Dean O'Connor, and also known as Jim. Alongside Hollywood Heath Pierce, also known as the Heartbreak Kid, and Charlie Chuck Wagon, Morning Footy Davies, who will be joining us here shortly. I think he had to go use the potty. And do we have a great show for you today, everybody? We're talking with Transfer News Golden God Fabrizio Romano, and he's going to discuss all of our U.S. men's national team players and what they're going to do this upcoming summer, the transfer market. Then we're going to talk about the CONCACAF Champions League final between Leon and LAFC. And there will be some spoiler alerts there if you don't know who actually won that trophy. We'll do a U.S. Open Cup quarterfinal preview as those games kick off in the middle of this week. And, of course, we're going to discuss our U-20s losing in the quarterfinals for the fourth consecutive U-20 World Cup, and I'm not bitter about it at all. But first, I need to ask Heath, because Chuck is, I don't know where he is, if they saw my team beat Wrexham in the 7v7 tournament round of 16 this past weekend. Did you see that, Heath? Were you there? I, Were you watching? I did. I did. I saw, I saw, and I, I could feel... Uh, first of all, like in soccer, we trust was putting out the tweets, basically saying, "Hey, sending them home. They're heading home. Wrexham's heading home uh, because that. of Thank because of the work that you did." Um, but yeah, I got I I watched it uh, intently. I was really excited. Yesterday was probably you know, last two days. Your, your team going out and then uh, <laughs> LAFC uh, losing and the U20s bowing out was a little bit of a sad weekend overall. But uh, yeah, uh, I watched it all though. Okay, okay, before we uh, get Chuck's thoughts on the 7v7 tournament overall, because I know he's got some, I, I think there's a clip producer Alex can roll uh, of uh, me putting the, the thing on the on making it to the quarterfinals. Let's roll that clip, if we can. I don't know, maybe he has it. There he is. Hey, 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 I'll, I will say that that was a really special experience. It, it was, for me, I got to tap back into being a part of something bigger than myself, leading a group of guys, trying to cre- create a culture of positivity and obviously working together as quickly as you possibly can. And I think that we found that. I, I Ultimately, when we look back, we lost in the quarterfinals to Sneaky Fox, Mike McGee's team, Armando's team, Brad Evans's team, Jay Merritt's team, Kyle Martinez's team. They had a whole bunch of guys there. And 14 coaches and 36 players. <laughs> exactly. Here. It was incredible. <laughs> yeah, we needed we needed some more players in hindsight. Uh, we can talk about the tactics and, and what I would do different for next time. But but uh, it was just really cool to be a part of it. And uh, I think the peak was beating Wrexham on Peacock uh, when when everybody wanted Wrexham to win. So that was a, a big thrill, including the referees. But uh, we still we figured it out. How about you, Chuck? What do you think about that tournament? Uh, I thought it was well done. I mean, in terms of putting this production together and getting quality former pros, former division one, uh, college soccer players, just college soccer players in general. I think the quality was pretty high given yeah, it was that. Good. and everyone took it serious. So when, when you have that type of enthusiasm on the pitch, it, you're going to want to watch it because you could tell people cared. Uh, I remember seeing a clip of Jermaine absolutely housing <laughs> a, uh, a player out of, out of bounds. Uh, was it, was it your team? No, we didn't play against, uh, Dempsey's team. But but you're not allowed to tackle, and then became a little bit gray because you are allowed to leave your feet to block a shot. And as you know, 
those two things can kind of there's a there's a little middle ground there. Yeah, right? just block the shot first. Right, yeah. right, exactly. Right. Who, who's who, who's the who is the dirtiest player of the tournament? Uh, for me personally, it was probably Quincy Ameriqua because he cracked my ribs in that quarterfinal. He was playing for Sneaky Fox, so ah. that that wasn't my favorite thing. Actually, battling against Stephen Lenhart was funny. Uh, you know that guy's a big boy, and I'm glad Alan Gordon was hurt because I don't know if I could have managed all those guys at the same time. The in Bash one game. Brothers, oh yeah, let's go. But, uh, it, it, it it was hard to like identify a dirty player because the rules were built to not have a bunch of Casemiro. Yeah, you still dirty had players dirty players. No, this is I mean, Quincy got a free shot on me there. There was one guy actually, Lee Trundle, who played up top for Rex. Big old fella, huh? Dude, I mean, Jeez he should be on the world's Louise. strongest man competition, and he elbowed me in the side of the head ten seconds in, Oof. and and then he acted like the sun wasn't. Uh, he said the sun was in my eyes, and I'm like, uh, okay, buddy, you know. Uh, so so. I don't know. You guys want to talk hey. to Lee Trundle? I have him in my back pocket if you want to talk about him. <laughs> oh, shut him down. He put up <laughs> six or whatever on the women's team, and uh, they thought they were going to cruise their way uh, a little bit deeper. But, I mean, for, for me on this one, uh, I, I will say that I think that the barrier of entry for most former players should be playing in the Bowery League, Jimmy. Obviously, you spent a number of years playing in it. Charlie, I don't know if you played in a couple games in the Bowery That's League. It's in New York City, right? Chinatown. Yeah. But – it is the quick reminder that, you know, a lot of us were just directly post-career playing in this, still fit, healthy, like that sort of thing, or like relatively healthy, I guess, but like fit, right? And still on the on the younger side. But you quickly realize that a 22-year-old D1 kid that would rather just spend his time on on uh, in, the, in the financial district instead of trying to play in the lower divisions is a good player. And you put six of them, and tactically, they can make <laughs> your life really, really hard, right? Even right. if you have right. a, a, a thousand caps, a uh, national team caps on on your team or you know 150 years of MLS experience or pro experience it makes a big difference and then when you talk about covering that ground you add the heat uh, and it looked hot there at sometimes it it can be a, a neutralizer and then the game is built with that uh, the target score to to play into the youth and the ability to rotate squads and like go deep and ultimately use the advantage of a goalkeeper at, at a certain point which is Obviously, Jimmy, where uh, uh, it was guys... insane. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I would definitely approach the, the tournament a little bit different next time around. And to your point, probably add more younger players. Me and Demarcus Beasley, we shared a team, and and we really thought experience would be the difference maker. A and it is in some ways, right? In terms of game management and, and not getting rattled. I think uh, we put a big emphasis on not getting too emotionally high or low, and just trying mm -hmm. to stay steady and solve problems. But but it. it we needed some younger legs and Lee win. They had a team Zala, which was AJ de la Garza's team. They went down three zero in two consecutive knockout round games into that target score time, which for everybody that doesn't know, if you're down three zero, it's whoever scores four goals first. So the team that had three just needs one. And the other team needs to score four to win. And AJ de la Garza did it twice in the round of 16 of the quarterfinals. And they beat, uh, Cesc Fabregas and, and, uh, Como and one oh, of them. Wow. Yeah. So I mean, they're, they're taking on a professional team and they did it. What he told me afterwards, I saw Lee at the final yesterday was and AJ. They just didn't put a big emphasis on scoring. Like if you gave up a goal early, it didn't really matter because you knew you could make it up at the end. And so AJ put out a great tweet yesterday saying we were the best three v three team in seven v seven tournament because once for those that don't know in the target score time, you have to take a player off every five minutes. So it goes you know, 77 to 66 to 5v5, 4v4. They would just wait and be really disciplined until it got down to like 3v3 or 4v4. And then they would score a whole bunch of goals and the other team was just spent. And that's yeah. how they won. And so that's uh -huh. one way to approach it, you know? So it was really interesting. Well, Jimmy, I think, I think, the, I think the future of the tournament is super bright. And I heard you got Bayern Munich potentially, United, Liverpool. These are just the rumors mm -hmm. going out there. But that some big clubs are going to want to jump in next year. Yeah, I, I mean, I mean, I will say that uh, watching yours, it was literally just the tragedy of getting down to four v four and not having possession first. That's right? exactly right. Because right. they just stretch you, stretch you, stretch you, and that field, like, it's not a five aside field. Dude, that field was so field. much bigger than they I can, thought. So Charlie can, can say whatever he wants. Like, I'm going to go. I'm going to yeah. win it, and blah blah blah. But if yeah. you're not fit, Chuck, Chuck's out here dreaming, you're not dude. doing anything. Chuck's but, you know out what? here sitting hey, on the sideline, <laughs> drinking, drinking his wine cooler on the weekend, being like, well, if I was there, you know, like, yeah, yeah, we'd be winning everything. I would have taken the bees approach, you know, sit on the sidelines. Yeah, well, good job. See, the dude, target, you, you would love it. Bees loved it. Again, the target score is the hardest part, though, right? Because you don't really get rewarded. You have to re you have to do it twice, you know? So, right, like, you right, win right. one zero, you grind it out. The game starts over again. It really uh, does. I mean, we were up 3-2 on Wrexham going into the target score time, and they got this, the shadiest penalty of all time, uh, but they make it 3-3, and that's where I think our experience kicked oh, in. Speaking of rattled. Quincy, Jimmy, 
That handball should have been the game over for you guys. That was the biggest, most blatant handball I have seen. That was a chicken wing. I wasn't yeah. even a chicken wing. That was somebody ripping a chicken wing off a chicken. That's how Dude, far out it went. By the way, wouldn't, wouldn't that extra time really benefit someone who's good 1v1? Because there's so much space? Yes. Or, but the thing is, Chuck, in theory, yes. But when you get out there and you've already been playing for 45 minutes and you're in this 1v1 situation, yeah, the desperation of the defending is, is quite something, right? You're like doing everything you can. Like, I don't care if this guy passed. I just want him to pass it. You know, so it's it's really interesting how you approach it mentally. <laughs> it reminds uh, me of Peter Novak. One uh, camp that we had, he made us play 11s and you had to mark one guy and sit with him <laughs> the whole, the whole, wherever he went on the pitch. And Sasha Klesh, and I forget who he had, but he dragged this poor person all around the pitch to the point where the guy was like on his knees, like trying to foul Sasha at all, at all costs. <laughs> I mean, that's what, that's what it looked like. It was, it's, it's pretty remarkable. And I'm, I'm very curious to see how it continues to grow moving forward. But I want to give a shout out to Newtown pride FC for going on to win the million dollars self-funded. They didn't get any other thing and they uh, did a great job of getting to the final and they were the deserved winners of the tournament. So shout how, many, out. how many people get split that on that? On uh, that that's a good question. I think there was 16 players. I think they had so but I don't know how you never know how they're they're managing Coach, that money. Staff, you might bring in a you know uh, a trainer, like any of those things. You gotta like you know seed it out. Yeah, there's there's a lot of different ways you can you can split that pie. But I, I don't know. You can follow Newtown Pride on Twitter, and maybe they'll they'll tell you how it's all shaking up. All right, enough of the seventy-seven talk. We have the man, the myth, the transfer god, legend, Fabrizio. Oh, guys. Thank you for the warm welcome, man. Eh? So good to see you as always. I mean, you know so much inside stuff. I figure I figure you're gonna probably tell me that my dad is not my dad at some point with the tagline. Here we go. But no, don't uh, worry, it's fine. Conversation for another time. Fabrizio, Fabrizio, we want to get into uh some talk about the US men's national team and players that uh Big summer for, for our the, the whole the whole damn team. The whole damn, <laughs> it's the whole damn team. So so let's so let's start with leads. We have Tyler Adams, we have Brendan Aronson, and we have Weston McKinney. What kind of information do you have on those three gentlemen? Yeah, for Weston McKinney, it's not a good moment because he has to return to Juventus, and so will be time, I think, to find another club. So the idea is to see Weston McKinney on the market. He had by option included into his contract at Leeds, but the reality is that uh, with them being relegated, this by option will not be activated. So he's returning to Juventus and then he will be on the market again. At the moment, he's still quiet because Juventus are waiting to understand who's going to be the new director of football and then they will clarify the negotiations for McKenney. For Tyler Adams, there is some interest eh? in uh, Premier League, something also in Bundesliga, still nothing advanced. I'm sure that something will happen there because he's too good to play in the, in the championship. So many clubs are already exploring this, uh, this opportunity. And same for Adamson, uh, because some clubs, especially in the Bundesliga, of course, he's coming from the Bundesliga. So some clubs are already exploring this kind of conditions of the deal. There is a crucial point. The manager of Leeds. Mm -hmm. Leeds will not continue with Sam Allardyce. Leeds will have a new director of football. They will have probably a young manager because they want to look for that kind of coach for next season. And so this is going to be crucial to understand who is going to be the new face of the project and what he's going to say to his players, what kind of conditions they will fix for the deal. So not so easy to say now, but I'm sure that all of them will have different opportunities in the summer. Well, shifting over to uh, the U20 national team, obviously bowing out and kind of a poor performance against Uruguay, but some good performers in the tournament overall with Cade Cowell, Diego Luna. I know Edelman's been linked. Is there any players within our U20 squad that you're hearing about in terms of potential links uh, to moves abroad? Many of them. I, I haven't keep an eye, uh, especially more than about single players, is about uh, some clubs exploring the possibilities to sign players from the under-20 in the Eredivisie. There is a lot of interest from the Eredivisie in players of the under-20 in the United States because they feel there is a lot of talent, but also the boys are so professional. I think what, what Ricardo Pepe created there by going on loan to Groningen is something really positive because now the clubs are looking at players from that country. It's very interesting because the young players have the opportunity to, to actually play, to be part of the starting eleven, and not stay on the benches in other countries. And so I will keep an eye on the Redivisie club for all these players. At the moment, nothing is advanced because they are obviously waiting for the end of the tournament to attack the situation and to open concrete negotiations. So I don't want to mention something that is not realistic, but from Eredivisie, 
divisa, something is moving. So I would keep an eye on that country for the young American players because the market there is becoming really interesting for uh, for American talents. Yeah, I could see, I could definitely see that with Ricardo Pepe and Taylor Booth both being successful there. Uh, I want to focus on the attackers, you know, like myself, strikers. <laughs> what what do we got for Christian Pulisic, Timothy Weah, Balogun? Could we see even Gio Reyna? Could we see some movement? Or is, there, is there a lot of interest in these players? Yeah, for Reyna, the moment is quiet. I'm sure that Borussia Dortmund will try to protect him. They still consider him an important player for the future, so I'm not sure he will be on the move this uh, this summer. For all the other players you mentioned, yes, there is a lot of movement uh, because Balogun at the moment is planning to leave Arsenal. There will be a meeting with his agent the next days to discuss the conditions of the deal, but he will probably leave on a permanent transfer. Uh, the idea of Balogun is to try a new experience. He doesn't want to be on the bench. They play with just one striker and they have had Nketiah on a long-term contract. And of course, Gabriel Jesus, who is the star of the squad. So he doesn't want to stay on the bench the whole season. And the idea is to look for some opportunity. Leipzig are interested, uh, but it's not the only player they have in the list. Today, they open negotiations for Openda from Lens, So they have some options, but Balogun is one of the players they have in the list. AC Milan is another club really interested in, uh, in Balogun. So I'm sure there will be conversations but it's important to understand how much Arsenal wants for Balogun who had a fantastic season on uh, on loan and then I'm sure there will be other opportunities also for the other players including Pulisic he's on the market this is the reality so Chelsea are prepared to let him go uh, they know that the player needs to be more consistent he needs to play he can't play one game and then for three months to stay on the bench so it's the best solutions for all parties to let Pulisic leave uh, this uh, this summer we heard rumors about Juventus but again as I mentioned before we still don't know who is going to be the director of football at Juventus and they have to clarify the Allegri situation, the manager situation. So that is going to be crucial to understand what's next for uh, for Pulisic. But it's true that there is interest from Italy. So his agent is exploring some possibility there and could be a good destination, I think. Also, Milan were interested in him one year ago when they had negotiations with Chelsea for Rafa Leao was an opportunity to include Pulisic as part of the deal. But Chelsea said no. Let's see if they will return. But I think Italy could be the destination for him. And I really hope because he deserves to play, he needs to play. It's really important for his career. Yeah, that's good info, Fab. Uh... Let me. We want to talk about Yunus Musa, who's one of our favorite players here on the show. What's his future with Valencia? Is he going to stay or, or is he going to make a move? And where do you think his best des- destination is? No, I think he's going to leave. Uh, this was already planned in January. Uh, I can reveal to you that in January, Chelsea were really serious for uh, for Musa. Yeah, they're, 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 wait, they're, invo- they're, they're serious about everybody, though, let's be honest. <laughs> but they wanted Musa. They really wanted Musa. Then Valencia decided to keep the player because they wanted to avoid the relegation. So it was really important to keep Musa. But then they promised him the possibility to leave the club in the summer. This is why I think there is a good possibility for Musa to go. Inter really appreciate him, but he's too expensive at the moment. So I don't see that as an easy option for Musa. I would keep Chelsea again there because they are always following, they have been always following him and they really rate him highly. So keep an eye on Chelsea again. And then Arsenal, because he, of course he's starting the Arsenal Academy, he's a player who is really appreciated there. At the moment, it's not something concrete or something advanced, but that kind of player could be interesting for, uh, for Arsenal. But I think he will be on the move. And I think for Valencia, it's going to be really complicated to keep Musa next season. And Fabrizio, maybe it's a bit early uh, in in the season to 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 know for sure. But is there any interest of of MLS players uh, being exported that are kind of fringe national team players, whether that's a Brandon Vasquez or a Jesus Ferreira or other players that are performing well within the league? Is there any interest or any rumors that you're hearing about them potentially being linked to clubs abroad? Yeah, maybe not American players, but uh, for example, like I, men- like I mentioned, an Argentine player like uh, Thiago Almada. I will keep an eye on Thiago Almada because, of course, he's a star in, in MLS and many clubs are following him. It's true that Napoli wanted him. Napoli wanted him, but then what happened? The director of football at Napoli and the manager are prepared to leave the club because Palletti is going to leave and also the director of football is in negotiations with Juventus. So now we have to understand what kind of domino there will be to see how Napoli will will move on, on Thiago Almada. But their scouting uh, department are still following Thiago, Thiago and I will keep an eye on Spanish clubs too. Uh, I think he could be one of the players in the move in the in the summer, for sure one of the most interesting options on the market because that kind of creative player is always appreciated in in Europe. And so Spanish and Italian clubs, including Napoli for, uh, for Thiago Almada. Uh, last question for me is, I, I see that Ange Postacoglu is possibly going to be signing with Tottenham. He's already talked about Cameron Carter-Vickers being the best centre-back in Scotland. Is there a possibility that he follows... Uh, Ange to Tottenham? 
Yeah, that would be that would be nice. Honestly, at this point, they've not discussed transfer targets yet. Today, there was a meeting between Postecoglou and Tottenham to fix the contract. It's going to be a two-year deal with an option for third season, so everything is agreed. I think it's going to be official. If not today, it's going to be tomorrow. But everything is done. And to and to your point, that would be nice to see to see him again in in the Premier League with this possibility at Tottenham. But from what I understand, Postecoglou, who has a fantastic relationship with Celtic as a club, with the fans and with all the people at the club, he doesn't want to sign players from from Celtic to respect the club so this is what I feel after speaking to some sources today I don't see Tottenham attacking Celtic this summer All right, Fabrizio Romano thank you so much for your time you're an absolute beast we absolutely (laughs) love you Romano right, everybody we're going to take our first break of In Soccer We Trust when we come back we're going to discuss a little CONCACAF Champions League the US Open Cup and the U20 World Cup so do not go anywhere Hey everyone, this is Jimmy Conrad, your favorite former U.S. men's national team player and the host of the Call It What You Want podcast. And I'm here to tell you that Viore is a versatile clothing brand that speaks my language. It's inspired from the coastal California lifestyle, just like me. Its products stand the test of time, just like me. And also just like me, it endeavors to inspire others to live vibrant, healthy lives. Viore gear is designed to look great in everyday life while also being perfect for any workout activity. I'm currently rocking the men's Sunday performance jogger And don't let the name deceive you. You can wear these babies any day of the week and in any situation. I'm talking going to the office, running errands, the gym, whatever your heart desires, because Viore is an investment in your happiness. For our listeners, they are offering 20% off your first purchase. So get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com slash sports. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash sports. Not only will you receive 20% off your first purchase, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Again, go to viore.com sports and discover the versatility of Viore clothing. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. All right, everybody. Welcome back to In Soccer We Trust. I'm Jimmy alongside Heath and Chuck. And we just uh, got done talking to Mr. Fabrizio Romano. As a reminder, though, make sure you go hang out the Glosso Network. It's a 24-7 soccer-only channel, and it's free. You can find it on Pluto TV the CBS Sports app, cbssports.com. Paramount Plus, if you want to go find it there as well. It's all happening, and there's some great shows. Our very own Chuck Davies is on Morning Footy, Box to Box, and obviously plenty of coverage of all the leagues. Heath bought a a sweatshirt already. He bought a hoodie. It says Mm. Susanna, Nico, Charlie Alex. Charlie, Chuck asked if I'd buy it, and I said, no, I was just being honest with him. You know what I mean? Uh, Not until they put Jimmy's name on it. I'm not putting it on there, you know? Yeah, yeah. I should must, like they have they have me and Jimmy on the back, you know. It's just yeah, in, bla- it's in black font on a black shirt. In, in yeah. parentheses. <laughs> There's like parentheses. But uh, yeah, absolutely love it. But yeah, make sure you guys head over to the Glossa channel and check it out. A lot of special programming, a lot of fun happening over there. All right, boys, let's get into it. Let's talk about the U20 World Cup. I want to get your reactions to this. Uh, US after winning their to? group. Yeah, we, we have to. We we bottled it. I'll, I'll tell you right now. We absolutely bottled it. And this comes down to the manager. Mikey whoa, 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 whoa. Can I just – we lost 2-0. That's all. I just want to make sure everybody had context. <laughs> we lost to Uruguay 2-0. But it comes down to Mikey Veras absolutely going defend, defensive and questioning tactics and, and getting the player selection wrong. You don't bring in Kevin Paredes and have him on the bench for your knockout game. Puchtas That's also. mind-boggling to me. And Puchtas too. I mean, and Puchtas. Yeah, it, yeah. It's, you can't bring your top players – and be- and have them for your most important game, like you're saving them for for something. They just left their clubs. It was a late release. You start your best players, and I I, I just I'm I'm looking at how they played, and I'm re- I'm just disappointed when it comes down uh, to well, it. okay. Yeah. Let's, let's that aside. I agree with you on that. The second thing I would add is that Uruguay was playing after only two days of rest and yeah. without their top scorer, and we let them. We, we had like, like we, five or six days of rest, by the way, like an unnatural way because of the way the groups went. We played on the first day of that 
that round and then didn't have to play till that round completed, round of 16 completed. Which I is agree. exactly my point. Why, why Paredes would, why would, we were and, and Pustas yeah, should right. have been starting. There is yes. no excuse. Yes. Absolute. Just a, uh, I, I see in the in the uh, Clint Dempsey is a goat on the YouTube comments. Uh, <laughs> thank you, Chuck. But I cannot believe we didn't get this right. This basic player selection, forget the tactics, which was also defensive and too pragmatic and, and scared. Why didn't we go after them? We are a better yeah. squad. We have more in, I agree. individual talent, yet we played like, oh, we got, we got to be scared of Uruguay. Yes, you be mindful of, of how they can hurt us in transitioning, but take it to them. That For me, I, I was pissed off watching yeah. the game. I, I, would, I would also say in this one that – Obviously, if you watched it, you know that the pitch was horrible, right? And they were skating the entire time. And Uruguay were like, you know what? We're going to punch them once, and we're going to scrap. And a player like Diego Luna, for example, was relatively invisible because they just had somebody up his backside the entire time. Every time he got it, kicking him, whacking him, and he wasn't able to ever get into a rhythm and be uh, uh, impactful in other ways. And therefore, we had a false nine not able to ever really do much with it. And then you add that to the fact that we lack that sharpness. And the most complimentary thing people have been saying about this U20 side throughout the tournament, and granted, they weren't really tested up until this point, was their ability to move the ball, move the ball quickly, play with the rhythm, have some pace, have some confidence, be able to have penetrating passes, those types of things, get one-on-one, get isolated, just have a lot of these different um, patterns of play and things like that that were really good. And in this one, I mean they struggled to get five, six passes together at times. And I'm not going to give them the excuse of a pitch or whatever. I agree with Charlie that it was a, it was a little bit of a de- defense first thing. And you know, you can fall on the excuse of oh, co- team continuity and building no, all that stuff. You not, are in the knockout no, rounds. No. We have, we have star players or players that are hugely talented that weren't on the field that were available for selection. I'm not talking about who wasn't available. They were available for selection and weren't picked. And it was just, you know, unfortunate little own goal. I thought Gaga Salinita probably could have done more in the end. I know uh, Winder's ball was a little bit whatever, but I'm not going to even put it on that. It still would have ended up 1-0. They didn't score. I don't score. know, Winder, I don't know Winder, do a lot. why Winder leaves his feet to try to make that clearance. That's... Yeah. That, I don't know uh, why Justin Shea left goal. his feet, uh, he feet shouldn't to make have left the his defensive feet play. Really and by the way, defending. I will tell you this. If you take it down to just those moments, take the 88 or 89 minutes out of those other moments. You're right. I don't know why Winder leaves his feet there, but the Justin Che one, if you watched him, when he went to ground, the other center backs mm. all slowed down in their runs instead of just bolting all the way back with that yeah. with that pessimistic mentality of like, he's going to get past Che and I'm going to have to make the play. And by the well, time they react... Just, just in case, right? Yeah. Right, right, just, right. Yeah, the, the, as the, a defender, the, aren't you supposed to be just in case? To get into you position. have to anticipate. Yeah, the yeah. fact that they just... They, they, there was they an assumption that he would make the play, yeah. Agreed, agreed. And you could tell that he probably wasn't going to get there either, which speaks to your point. Now, for others that are looking at the, the sunny side of this, we had more possession. Our XG was actually higher than Uruguay. I, listen, I'm not into the those types of stats to always solve every problem. And, and overall in this tournament, up until this point, the U.S. had the best expected goal or third best overall in the whole tournament and had the best expected goals against the best team in the whole competition. Mm-hmm. So they were clearly doing something right on both sides of the ball. But for me, it was just something a little bit different, like that in-game management. Okay, Diego Luna, guess what? Somebody's going to be up your butt the whole game, right? Somebody's going to be on your backside kicking you because they know you have some quality. What are you going to do about it? And it's not always on you. It's who the people around you, how are they supporting the play? Like that recognition of that in-game management that we talk about a lot. With If you know that you're star number 10, is going to have two guys floating around him. That means there's space somewhere else for us to exploit. How quickly can we identify that space? And, and I thought that this is going to be a big learning experience, not only for the players, if they see it as a learning experience, but also for Mikey Varas, the coach. You, but, because, hey, go ahead. No, no what, sorry. The, the, the thought that came to mind too is, Jimmy, I remember this game, Copa America, when we played against Argentina. Mm-hmm. And the way that they shifted a, a, a six over, and a fullback to deny any sort of ability for isolation with Justin Mapp or anybody that we had on the wings. Uruguay did that to Cade Cal the entire time. It just came over and said, we're going to put two players on you. So you mm-hmm. go left, he's going to go left with you. You go right, I'm gonna, you're coming right into me. And there was some tactical... Um, and again, once you get the first goal, it changes everything, right? You can, you can do that with a little more emphasis, knowing that you don't have to go and chase anything or expose yourself. But there were some really good tactics from Uruguay. And Uruguay culturally... Are, are they they know how to scrap they know how to battle they know how to fight right that's in the mentality of the culture and it comes back to like i think it's i don't remember what the name of the, like the the cage uh football they play as youth growing up but it's something that they teach about like 
yeah, being physical. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> being physical is whatever that cage, uh, whatever it is, like the many, many pitches they have there that are in the, in the cages are about like physicality. And you learn at a young age, if you listen to the Uruguay players, like their stories are all about, like, I grew up playing in these, 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 uh, environments where it's physical and you learn from a young age that like someone's going to come sweep their feet out from under you. They were up for that fight from the start yeah. and they got the tactics, right. Which again, can be all well, the difference and, in a game like that. Well, yeah, and they, they also took advantage of a few mistakes from our team, and that's that's the difference. So they're fine margins. Uh, Jimmy, I want to bring up uh, one of our our casual our usual listeners here, Kai seven eighteen. He said, "Are we overrating our players just because we know their names and they play in MLS?" And the answer is no. The, our team has real talent. We are not overrating them. Have if you if you saw the way they played the group stage, you'd say they're coming into their own because. They're one understanding how to get the best out of each other and how to play as a group, a collective group. Even though they were playing soft opponents for the most part, they still you you still felt that they understood how to get the best out of each other and they knew the tendencies of one another. Because it starts with the team. You, you have individuals, but how do you grow that group to play as one? And coming against Uruguay, you have to imagine that it comes down to tactics. What the very basic, uh, the the very basic of of this game, the basis of this game is getting the player selection right, which that that should be without question, getting your best players on the pitch, especially players who you just you, you've been groveling groveling about not having all these players to get who who the clubs weren't letting to leave. You finally get two who were allowed to leave after the last game, and you don't play them. So that's one and two. You saw how Leon did what Leon did to LAFC last night is exactly what Uruguay did to the US and mm-hmm. exposing those spaces when, when you play with a back three. They saw that Wiley was getting up and down, how they didn't have a good game. So you have those two spots and they just absolutely neutralized the US. I think what I'll, yeah, no, I, I agree with those sentiments. What I'll add is, and this is what he said before, they weren't tested. They never went down a goal, right? So I don't think you really know what your team is about until you have to suffer. Now you have to solve problems. There's urgency that has to be, okay, Kate Cal's getting doubled. Cool, great. The coaches can identify that, but can the players also identify that? Oh, okay, there's, now this means that there's, there's room for me to make a run into this space to exploit what they're doing. And if you just make that run, Charlie, you know, even if you don't get the ball, you still let the defense know that you're now thinking about it. And now they're going to have to shift. And ultimately, or you hope, that that gives more time and space to Cade Cal because now you're, you're threatening to potentially make that run. But if we're just playing timid and keeping and playing in front of the defense the whole time and, and not being threatening in any way, even if it's a run that doesn't get the ball, we're not really showing that intent to the other team that uh, we're trying to we're solving those problems. And if Mikey Vars and his staff can't identify it or if the players can't execute, if they do identify it, this is where we find ourselves. And so... This is where we are. And then and then all the tactics aside, I still think there's an element of fight. We had more rest and we didn't take advantage of really putting Uruguay underneath it. So did it's you, a little did, disappointing. If, if you looked, it was the back three plus Wiley, McGlynn, uh, Vargas, and Halliday. They were playing as one unit, a block. And the three ca- attackers, Kao, Luna, and Wolf, were solo. So... They were literally there, and there was loads of space in between. So you had no connective tissue to the front three, mm-hmm. zero. So you had an Uruguay team that said, "We're going to defend. We're going to sit back and and give you no space because we've seen what you guys can do in space or in transition." We'll take Cowell away. So Cowell can't run. What's his game like technically when he has to check to the ball and build the game and pop up into these spots? And you could see if. Cade Cowell is not given the line. If he's not played into the channels, there's a big difference. And that's where he struggled in MLS because he needs to grow that part of his game. He has the running down the line like a cheetah. That's There's no problem. But when it comes to we're taking that away, how do you impact the game? He struggles. And it's the same in MLS. Figuring out ways to still be impactful, checking for the ball, playing one-twos, dragging people. If they're going to take two to mark you, drag them out of space. And tell other players to fill that space. I, I, I wonder too, Heath, uh, Daniel Edelman didn't start. And I thought that was an interesting choice because I feel like he didn't start the first game against Ecuador. We struggled to really generate anything until Jonathan Gomez hit an absolute screamer from 20 out. 
at the very end to win that one. But but it looked kind of similar. I mean, yeah, it was solid. We had some possession. We created some opportunities. And then when now Edelman then started the next three games and we we won all those and didn't give up any goals. And now you come into this one and you elect to not start Edelman. I, I wonder, too, that goes back to Charlie's beef with uh, the roster selection, which I agree. Paredes in particular. But I think Edelman might be might have been a miss as well. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it, it comes down to, you know, you get into these. Actually, to take a step back, I think I, it, it brings me back to this idea that they were never really tested. And and in a way that I think was substantial enough to say, I need to like, I know what I have and what I don't have within this team. And so clearly he saw Jeez. some equality within his squad that clearly wasn't the case when he put them in. Like he saw this ability to make decisions that, that uh, were wrong, quite frankly. They're wrong. You, you don't need to be tested to know that Kevin Paredes is your best attacking player on this team. You don't need to be tested. The guy plays in the Bundesliga. I agree. I mean, he got, he, got, he got 30 he, minutes and didn't do anything, though, to be fair. He should be starting. I agree. I, he should be starting, but he, he did he, get a chance to come in he, even he, as a super sub. He, he still like, gave, the way he, he does he, in the Bundesliga. He gave and, me a million more dynamic moves than Owen Wolf did. I could tell you that. Yeah, that's in true. 30 minutes. That's true. I mean, oh, I mean, different. Yeah, I agree. I mean, different positions, but I, I, I fully agree in, in that case. I think, I think the, I think the lineup was wrong. But again, still, some, some of it still has to come down, and uh, I, I agree with Charlie. But some of it still comes down to the the players too, just not not being. Again, if you watch your yeah, when they lost the ball, they slowed the mix. game down, and then every attack the U.S. had, like like uh, Chuck said, with three players up front, Uruguay had six back. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. they always had they they. I mean, and again, the game changed as soon as they scored, right? The first goal, and so the U.S. needed to have that plan as to how they're going to go and get that goal, or start to pull Uruguay out of those positions to be dangerous, and they couldn't find a single way to be able to, again, XG is better. I understand all that, but that's naturally probably going to be the case when you're a team that's going to sit back after you get your first goal. You're going to not create a ton of opportunities, only in transition. So, yeah, it was um, so disappointing. Well, Charlie, let's go to this. Let's go to this part of the conversation. Obviously, we're disappointed. It's the fourth consecutive time we've been knocked out in the U-20 World Cup quarterfinals. The last three have been to South American teams. Which one of these players of this U-20 team do you want to see in the Gold Cup roster? Uh, if, if it's zero, that's fine. But I just uh, was kind of curious who you thought. Uh, I, if Of all the players, uh, Diego Luna. And and I'll tell you why, Diego Luna. Because in a lot of scenarios... Because we got to get him out of Salt Lake? Yes. Uh... <laughs> that, that one. But a lot of scenarios, you look at Diego Luna and you say, oh, he's not fast enough. He's not quick enough. He, he's he's not going to make the grade. When he's tech, he, he's clearly technically gifted and he thinks different than a lot of the, the typical American players coming through the MLS Academy systems. That's a player who given put in the right environment will really excel because he's a different type of player. And those are the players that we need to get more reps at the highest level, because I think ideally it just comes down to the speed of play. Once he catches up, I think he's going to be a phenomenal player. So for me, Diego Luna, and to go back on what you said, Heath with Uruguay playing in the cages, that's how you have to prep this team going into the game. That's why international football is different than league play, MLS play, because it is a grind. I'm going to I'm going to win no matter what. I'm going to win my individual battle because I'm used to these cage environments where I'm fighting for my life. I'm fighting for food or respect. It's different. And so they were going to slow the game down and make it ugly because they know U.S. have more athletes. They are quicker. They are more athletic. So how do we disjoint them? How do we make it uncomfortable? That's what the U.S. need to play a little bit more high tempo intensity, and they didn't. I do like that Diego Luna shout. I, I'm a number one fan uh, of Diego Luna, uh, though I think Charlie's trying to compete with me for that. What's interesting is, and, and I think I fell into this category a little bit, where I would play to the level of my competition, either against or for, right? I got with the national team, and in some ways it felt easier than with my club team because everybody was so good at their job. I could really just focus on mine. So you put Diego Luna into that situation where all of a sudden he's got Pulisic and he's got Balogun and he's got, you know, Weston or Eunice and, and Tyler behind him. And it's just maybe that unlocks a little bit more of what he's capable of. But to your point, he's going to have to play a little bit quicker and more consistently to really make that that type of impact. I think Gaga Salinina, of course, uh, I want to get him as many reps as possible with the full team. Caleb Wiley, I want to give him a shout. Obviously, we're a little thin on the left side. 
especially from a defensive standpoint. And I've seen enough of him that I'd like to see him maybe get on the Gold Cup. He, he struggled in, in that Uruguay game. He did. He did. But I, 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 I leaving that struggle aside, I, I really like him. I like his energy. I like his enthusiasm. I know this is kind of the intangibles of it, but obviously he can play. But uh, I like these other little things he's bringing. So I'd like to see a little bit more of him. Josh Winder, I want him to go to Benfica this summer, and, and I'm very curious to see what he's going to look like in a year. But um, And then Kate Cal, you know, I think he's got to really showcase that he's the guy for San Jose first. Can, and he's only got, it, what, one goal this season? He needs to have more yeah. influence in and around goal. It, can I just say, uh, P. Morton, uh, I'm not going to get triggered by, by his comment about uh, me big-upping these kids. I think that game against Uruguay doesn't change the value of the quality of our players. It's a single game. If I got judged by a single game, I, man, I had some bad ones. You're still, uh, you're uh, still, still, still sticking to it though. Yeah. I still think, uh, and, and the fact that I, I still think that these players have a ton of upside. I still think these players are still in the elite group of, of players at that world cup. And they showed that granted again, against the certain opponents, it, it, it's going to take a little bit of credit. The one big opponent, but you know how tournaments go. If if uh, Ecuador was a challenge for us, but we got through it, right? Slovakia was a challenge for us, but we we got through it. And then you move on to the knockout rounds; it gets harder and harder. I understand uh, that New Zealand wasn't harder. I'll, I'll give you that. But like uh, this, this game was the hardest game. They they didn't do it, but it wasn't for a lack of quality from our players. I think it was a lack of a lot of things together that made them bad on that day. But I'm still big on 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 the crop of players that that we had in that tournament. No, no, no. It's not so much that you're big on them. It's the fact that you were so big on them that they were going to be pushing for World Cup spots in in three years. Well, oh, really yeah, quick, sure. I still stand by that. I mean, yeah, we still got three years. Well, when we look back on the 2019 U20 U.S. Men's National Team World Cup roster that also lost in the quarterfinals to Ecuador, you had uh, C.J. Dos Santos in goal, David Ochoa, Brady Scott were our goalkeepers, it's Serginho Dest, Chris mm -hmm. Gloucester, we were all pretty high on him, uh, Abubakar Kaita. Uh, Mark McKenzie, Matthew Real, Chris Richards as their defenders. Edwin Cerillo, Chris Durkin, Richie Ledesma, Alex <laughs> Mendez, Paxton yeah, Pomikol. Yeah, you guys are uh, hating on this 20 squad. Brandon Cervania, uh, Ayo Akinola, Conor De La Fuente, Luis uh, Yuli Linez, uh, Justin Reddix. Yeah, no, no, and no World Wea. Cup guys there. Timo Wea. Midfielder stuff. So. Yeah, yeah, but none of those I just, guys. I, wanted to, give, those, I wanted to say all those names because yeah. not a lot of say, we're not talking a lot about a lot of mid, midfield not, is the hardest position to break into. Yeah. I'd say not a lot do go. I mean, we know that statistically. That's just the reality of like that player pool gets smaller and smaller. Our men's national team quality pool is getting bigger, but yeah, very few are going to break through all the way. I mean, you've got players right now that are starting on our U20s that still aren't getting a sniff with their club teams, Diego Luna or or Brandon Craig or others. You can see the talent with them. But a lot of it has to do more than just like what we see in in a, in a few games. So I I agree with that. But um, this crop is better than that last that's that last group. Um, that last group wasn't highly touted, and we're seeing some of those players actually break through, um, like we had seen before with um, whether that's Mark McKenzie or Chris Richards or Serginho Dest. There's there's some you know three four or five guys. Um, but only two only game. two of those names that I that I named ended up making it on to the 2022 World Cup roster from our U20. Well, oh, Chris Richards was an injury. Okay. He was. That's fair. That could have been three then, of course. All right, everybody. We're going to take our second and last break of In Soccer We Trust. we got the CONCACAF Champions League final to discuss. And, of course, we got a little preview of the U.S. Open Cup quarterfinals. So do not go anywhere. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, Roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. 
Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome back to It's Soccer with Trust. I'm Jimmy Conrad alongside Keith Pierce and Charlie Davies. And uh, a lot of engaging conversations so far. But now we got to <laughs> look forward to the U.S. Open Cup preview. Actually, we probably should continue to go hindsight then leave the second half of this last break for the preview. So let's do that. Let's talk about the CONCACAF Champions League, fellas, because Charlie alluded to it a little bit earlier. Club Leon came up to L.A. with a 2-1 lead for the second leg of the CONCACAF Champions League final and left with a 1-0 win, which gave them a 3-1 win overall. The first time they've ever won the CONCACAF Champions League, so congratulations to them. But a little disappointed from LAFC, Chuck? Are you? Are uh, you... Yeah, again, yeah. Um, I'm disappointed in, in Stevie Torondolo's tactics. Wow. Uh, you don't like being down 1-0 and uh, or down 2-1, down a goal, and, and playing like you were uh, trying to hold on to the 2-1? <laughs> the seven in the back? It, it, I can I could not believe that I saw Chiellini on the pitch. I could not believe it. I, I I know what he's done in his past and his experience, but he absolutely was the reason why. Because now you're playing with a back three, and they said we're going to test your space in behind uh, Palencia, who who's who's getting up and down, and Palacios, who's getting up and down. We're right there, and we're gonna we're gonna test your center backs in their pace, in particular. Long and Chiellini, and they just they just sat in those spaces, mm-hmm. and it, it it was so. I mean, Davila had a, an incredible first half, and it just felt like okay, maybe if Bowanga finishes that chance within the first two minutes of the game, the cross that uh, yeah, he misses, he that it. Palacios gives that he whiffs, mm-hmm. but Bogush over Opoku, I could not, I couldn't for the life of me understand that because Opoku's been one of their best players. And, and and you you're at home. Go go for the win. It felt like it was, this was like yeah. A but they also game. had they had Elia and and um, uh, Acosta two holding too. defensive minded players. Like yeah, Elia obviously yeah. can control the flow, but like that's seven that's seven guys before you even get into your attack to have again. You talk about the red thread between the team that can connect those lines. I, I and, and Carlos Vela didn't show up either. And no. granted, they made the game. Uh, they kept the game pretty much in front of them uh, the entire time. And just like Uruguay, they were down to fight. They were down to scrap. They were going to kick you anytime you came through. You had you had Kellen Acosta and, uh, and Ilya. Two, just two, between the back line and the three attackers who were sitting like three forwards, you had two marking like four, five players. Yeah, it was impossible. impossible. And, and I, I thought, okay – you know, make the change within the first half because I was really curious to see if uh, Toronto would say, just like Deschamps did in the World Cup, at 30 minutes, I can see I got this wrong. Time to make some changes. He waited till half and he made some changes, but not enough. The tactically made the right player selection changes, but it was too late. And 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 I was just disappointed because we all wanted an MLS side to win this competition. And to see LAFC, how talented they are and deep, to not get it right, I was it I was, felt like, I was extremely disappointed. I, well, they got run through in, in leg one in Mexico. They got run through. Yes, they gave they us did. so many oh, yeah. so many chances. They were lucky. Even they said it. They were so lucky to come yeah, out to, with that to walk out of there with a two one. And, and you could feel that Leon had all the confidence. Like we're not worried about these guys. All we need to do is get one and be steady and and attack the spaces when they present themselves. And it felt like Torrento put out a, a lineup that just matched their formation like that was one of the ways they were going to solve it. Cool, you're going to go three in the back, which is actually more of a five in the back with with <clears throat> excuse me, two midfielders and, and three guys up top. Sure, we'll do the same exact thing. And we think that our guys are better than yours and we're at home, we're going to have the fans, so on and so forth. And it didn't work to your point, Chuck. And it was a little disappointing because you want to see them stay kind of true to themselves in those moments. And you also need your biggest players to show up. Wonga, a month ago, two months ago, doesn't miss that sitter. You know, it, he doesn't whiff it completely. Carlos Vela might have been in a different form. He didn't. He didn't show up. I mean, that's why you pay those guys to show and, up in the biggest moments, and they didn't show up. Just to add this too, how do they still have McCarthy as as your goalie? How, you, oh, that. Ma- he, I mean, he, Ma- he McCarthy he is, 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 is great. Is great as great as he was in the penalties, and and I play with the guy. He's a great kid. But as a starting goalie in the CCL final, 
you were you were bound. I know he made you have some a great in leg yeah. one. To be fair yes. to him, but it's bound to catch up with you. Yeah, it was bound to catch up with you. Well, Crippo, Crippo's not back yet, and obviously that's the hardest part. And I feel like it's actually been the Achilles heel of this LAFC team has been they've gone through like twenty goalkeepers in their short history mm-hmm. of just trying to figure out who's who's the one. Right, Crippo is really good for this team because he's great with the ball at his feet. He's comfortable. He can make big saves. And then obviously losing him, again, the heroics of the final, I get all that from McCarthy. But again, we're six months in. We're almost halfway point of, of the season. The hard part is, you know, found yourself in the biggest game without, you know, one of your biggest strengths being a goalkeeper, which you need uh, in a game like that. Like you said, Charlie, it's just a matter of time. You can't expect M- McCarthy has never proven to be that guy that can do that, right? Never, big, never. Big goalkeeper, um, which, you know, it's only in retrospect that you get a chance to realize that, you know, Okay, okay, so let's finish, let's finish this part of the conversation with Chirondolo's quotes after the game, mm-hmm. and then we'll talk about U.S. Open Cup here. He said, uh, we got beat by a very good team. I think if you look at the 180 minutes we played, they deserve to win, so hats off to them and congratulations. They had the right answers over two matches, and we came up short. Okay, fair. Uh, then the next thing he said is, in tournaments like this, if you want to consistently compete in finals and win these... You're going to have to rethink your roster rules and regulations. You're at a big disadvantage. There's a little more money on that side of the table. He's referencing the Mexican teams. And money in this game buys quality. Steve Trendolo, quote. Well, he did say say when I I talked to him some time back that you get punished in Major League Soccer for being the best, right? Because if you want to keep the core of your squad and improve it a little bit, you quickly run out of money. There's mechanisms to build a team. But there's not mechanisms to keep. There are mechanisms to keep a team, but it's really hard when you have people that have overperformed their contracts, plus the players that you brought in to help you win mm-hmm. to improve that. It's really hard to keep that bulk together and add one or two pieces. And he said, he said well, to me, I'll that I'll this I'll is add, a league that okay. you you lose you 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 get punished for being the best um, because of parity. It's okay. it's time to, it's time to open it up. If t- if people are paying five hundred million dollars to get a franchise like San Diego, then I think it's time to say. All right, from three DPs, let's go at least to five and open up that the from from five to fifteen. Let's open it up a little bit more. Yeah. Okay. So he also had one more quote, and then Chuck, I want to hear from you on this. With our scheduling and all the competitions this year, we had a lot going on, and we ended up in the final, not in our best moment. Having deeper rosters and more quality players in your team will allow you to extend those periods of play, and every MLS team is at a disadvantage there. Jimmy, same quote from the seven v sevens, Chuck. You know what I mean. <laughs> Same quote from Jimmy. Just like, had I known, gone a little bit deeper. You know, the way the roster, the way the rosters work in the seven v seven, just don't allow me to really, you know. That's uh, I, well. That's trying was to keep hundred grand, the, not get, take fifty grand. You know what I mean? That's true. That's true. <laughs> Something to keep in mind moving forward. But yeah, it, there are some similar themes uh, happening in both competitions. Though I didn't take advantage of uh, some of the roster rules uh, in the way that I think. What's interesting though, Chuck, is that LAFC is a team that spends a lot of money already, right? They're, they are being active. Oh, they are they, trying to they try. Every, they pull every lever possible. Oh, yeah. Somehow they got Gareth Bale and Chiellini on their team last year. Thorrington is like... Yeah, he's a mastermind. A mastermind <laughs> yeah. of this. So if they're, if they're saying this, we're at a disadvantage, what does that mean for everybody else in the league? Oof. I don't know. That's what I would add to that. All right. Well, that's a big, that's is, a big what, conversation. There's a lot to unpack there. What are you but saying we'll if you're playing for RSL? Yeah, you're like, well, I'd be like, why aren't we playing Diego Luna? That's what hey, I Hey, RSL will spend four million. Colorado only spent like a million million. You know what I mean? Like uh you're looking player. around the locker room. Well, because like, they're saving oh, all their no. money for, for Arsenal, the Cronky family. All right. Let's talk uh US Open Cup preview for the quarterfinals. Want to get some predictions from you guys. There's two games on the Golasso channel. It'll be Chicago versus the Houston Dynamo. That'll be Tuesday at 8 30 p.m. Eastern. So make sure you guys tune in for that. We're down to the Elite Eight, as it were. And then we have one of the two remaining USL teams, and it'll be Birmingham Legion taking on the Phil Neville-less Inter-Miami. He just got sacked recently. That game will be on Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern. Obviously, these all eight of these teams are now a couple steps away from winning a trophy and uh, getting an automatic berth to the 2024 CONCACAF Champions League. So there's a lot at stake here. Mm-hmm. But let's start with... Uh, well, let's start with another game that isn't on. It's in Cincinnati versus the Pittsburgh Riverhounds. Cincinnati have been pretty good lately and mm-hmm. Pat Noonan's won this competition a few times with the new England revolution and the Seattle Sounders. So he knows what it means and what's at stake. It seems like they're taking it pretty serious. And they're one of our favorites, Heath. I think you picked them to win it all as well. Are we all, where were yeah, you on this? No, Heath picked the Birmingham Legion to win it all. Mm-hmm. That's right. 
<laughs> sure, I, was, uh, I, I, I respect that. But they're taking on the yeah. Riverhounds. Who, who, listen, Pittsburgh have taken down two MLS teams so far. And uh, they took down New England in New England 1-0. And they beat the crew at home in the last round 1-0. So they got to be feeling pretty good about oh, themselves. The, but it the looks tough. like Dequa, the top score in USL, might not be available for them. The tough one is the Fire Dynamo. I, anyone could win that one. That, oh, that, man, that Dynamo one falling apart oof. recently. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm going to go Galaxy at this point. Galaxy, Fire. And then Cincy, they're they're winning. They're going for the win at this point. Cincy Legion. Mm. Hmm. I I I, okay. I do. I still I still have that. I mean, I'm starting to wonder. I mean, the Galaxy just the Galaxy re- remind me of the the 2021 season of LAFC, where you just you look on paper and you're like, dude, okay, today's the day they're going to open the floodgates. And then each game, you're like, they're not opening those floodgates. Those floodgates are locked shut. Uh, so I'm worried about them. But I, I continue to. Uh, wonder if they can break out, but I'm I'm still going to Houston Dynamo and C- Cincinnati in my final. But I, I agree with Charlie. I didn't believe in it before. I thought Charlie picked Birmingham just because he's you know shout out Jay Heaps and and uh, you know the the, the legacy folks uh, in Charlie's lives. But uh, I could see that being uh, I could see I could see that being one. So C- Cincinnati Birmingham and then uh, I'm saying Galaxy again. Chicago Fire is hard, man. But I'm going to go with Dynamo. Uh, well, they played at Bridgeview. Even, gotten, think, even yeah, even not- Bridgeview. That's why you know they're going to win when they play at Bridgeview. The guys, field. anybody who travels to Bridgeview is like, get me out of here. Right? <laughs> I'm, I'm not trying to be here. So it's just like whenever one, anyone came to play at Gillette Stadium, it's like, I don't want to play on turf. When they come in with that negative perception, you know it's a wrap. You're going to dominate the game. And typically the fire do so well at Bridgeview because no one wants to play there. I'm going All Houston right. in that one. I'm going Houston. I'm oh, wow. Even I'm though they've Houston. given up like nine. To given up like, yeah, but they've given up like nine. <laughs> Houston have given up like nine goals in the last couple of weeks. Uh, uh, so they're they're a little leaky for a team right. that's supposed to be one of the best defenses. All right. Well, Chuck's got to get out of yeah, here. Apparently, say, he's got to. Shout out to anybody who eats pistachios because I tried to chew to break the shell with my tooth, which I thought is a normal thing. I've done it my whole life. Cracked the hell out of my molar. Half of it cracked off. Got to yeah. get it fixed. It's crazy. Uh, it's crazy. How, so does the dentist how come to you? your house? Yeah. Chuck, or how does that work? No, he sits in Chuck's barber chair inside of his barber shop in the house. You know what I mean? Chuck's got basically like a modular barber chair that can lean back and the dentist can come in and do, do the work as well. By the way, Jimmy, by the end of this year, Chuck's going to run out of excuses why he's got to go. You know what I mean? Like now yeah, we're using yeah, yeah. molars. Like what's next? Dude? Yeah. You know what I mean? It's one I will bowler. say, yeah. shout out to Chuck. I feel like your camera's gotten infinitely better. I don't know what's happening there, but your camera uh-huh. looks amazing. Hey, appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, Thank you. it's fantastic. <laughs> I can really tell. I can actually yeah, see someone now just that came you, in and fixed the camera for me. <laughs> yeah. So uh, uh, Alex said, "Isn't that the waiting room?" Yeah, it is. Chuck's sitting in the waiting room of a dentist office right now. We finally figured out what that room is. Yeah, I gave him my uh, a nice little picture of me. Charlie Davies, go get that toothpick, <sighs> man. We'll talk to you on Thursday. Much Thank love, uh, in soccer we trust, fam. I love y'all. Keep coming hard with them comments. Hey, you don't um, get to leave early and have a final thought. Get out of here, man. Get out of here, dude. Yeah, you don't get you don't, you don't get to have you don't get to make an intimate connection with the with the audience if you're leaving early. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's unbelievable. Hey, I know we're I know we're getting near the the the, the closing thoughts though, Jimmy. Um, but I did want to say uh for anybody that didn't watch or pay attention to uh the Belgian league this weekend. Oh, unbelievable. But it went into four four teams, right, to wrap it up. Uh, Roy Antwerp, where Sammy Vines is. Uh, he wasn't in the 18 in this one. You've got Mark McKenzie at Genk. Then you had um, uh, St. Galois or whatever they were called, mm-hmm. Union St. Galois uh, or Galois, whatever it's called. And then you had Club Bruges and Bruges were, were out of it, uh, out of the competition. But you had the final three teams, right? And so in the 90th minute, Royal Antwerp, beat uh or got the goal to to i believe draw with with gank um that that uh got them the win to win the championship and that was as union were going into the 90th minute up a goal and gave up three goals in stoppage time to lose 3-1 and deny their chances of winning the championship all they had to do is close that out one nil they would have won themselves they were already in first place uh and then when they were behind gank just had to hold on they gave up the goal to toby alderweireld who hit an absolute banger for like and went for their team. Or like, dude, yo, it was an absolute, first... it was an insane. But like, how sad for two teams of the three. But how great is it for Royal, who honestly on paper had the best well, the, team in the league? They had uh, they hadn't won the league in sixty six years, and yeah. that was Toby Alderweireld's uh, youth team or like his yeah. his original club. So he came back to help them 
They have Vincent Janssen. They have a bunch of names that you're like, oh, yeah, they got a bunch of Premier League. They got it's like an ex Spurs team. Um, well, I didn't actually get to say my U.S. Open Cup. Oh, sorry. Stuff. Let's go back no, to that. No, I, no, I wanted to bad. say that. Be like, uh, no, you what, should. What's your it, open cup thoughts. People should go try to find that online so they can see that goal because I feel like it's being packaged on on social media in a way where you can kind of see how everything's unfolding all at once. So, yes, for me, I actually like Houston to get past Chicago. Uh, I think the Fire fans and uh, are going to be pretty upset with me with regard to that. But I don't know, Benny Olson. I, I uh, I'm liking what he's doing. If they can obviously tighten it up defensively, as you mentioned, I like uh, Birmingham to get through Heath. I think yeah. that Birmingham's going to get past into Miami. I know Javi Morales has taken over in Miami until I think maybe Tata Martino comes in. That's the rumors I'm hearing. We should have probably asked Fabrizio Romano what he thought about Tata and maybe Messi going into Miami, which I don't know. Kareem Benzema just got what, 600 or excuse me, a million or something to go to Saudi Arabia? That's crazy for three years. Yeah. That's wild. Um, so I have Cincinnati beating Pittsburgh. So I got Cincinnati Birmingham semifinal. And then I'll say Houston and then Salt Lake hosts the Galaxy. Well, I had a chance to, to, well, you know, we got to hear from Chicharito. There's mm-hmm. going to be a full interview in Soccer We Trust with Chicharito. It was, it was pretty fun. It was just me and him. Sorry, Heath, you got, you got squeezed out on that one. But um, it's okay. But I, I set up, I, I set up the whole thing anyway. So uh, okay, I knew cool. it was going down the pipeline. I wanted you All to right. have a good time. Well, with you had Mason Mount a long time ago. I feel as my, we had, a, we had, we had to, we, Chicharito only wanted to be in this uh, press day for an hour. Uh, and, and we had him for 90 minutes contractually with, uh, with, uh, PepsiCo. So we made sure that we could use all 90 minutes, baby. You're not leaving early. I love that. Yeah, I love that. You know what I mean? Appreciate all 90. You. You're staying the whole time, buddy. All right. So, so let's, uh, hear from Chicharito about his thoughts uh, about the open cup in particular and producer Alex, let's, let's roll that clip. We have a very tough start, uh, we don't feel the worst and we don't feel like we're already done or we're already like, 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 yeah, gone off every competition. Like, like I said, we're still on in the three competitions that they're going to be in this year, you know, in the MLS and in, in our conference, we are at six points away. It's not, it's not, it's not that we are 10, 12, 15 points away from playoffs, mm-hmm. man. And you know how playoffs are. Then in yeah. the cup, we, we show that we want to win that like competition that, yeah. as well. And then when League Cup comes, you know, the, the, the price and the benefit of playing against a Mexican teams that are very tough and it's new and then as well the price of going to play a CONCACAF a, a chance you know to play CONCACAF CONCA champions spot over there so man I think I think it's just sticking together and be as as calm as you can you know because that's about life man when when everyone is praising you when you can control your emotions and you don't believe that much noise all right so that was an exclusive interview that Hollywood Heath Pierce set up for us. It'll be only on the YouTube. So if you're listening to this on your podcast platform of choice, you're going to have to head over to our YouTube channel in Soccer We Trust. Hit like and subscribe while you're there and uh, hear what Chicharito had to say with this full interview with me. They're seven yeah, points out seven. now. They're seven points out now. They're seven. Uh, yeah, yeah. They're, that, they are. <laughs> that, they I are. think that is a growing number if they don't figure it out. But yeah, he is so, right. So, wait, did you, you have, did you have RSL or do you have Galaxy? I think I have Galaxy going through because I, I think when I had picked that, I think when I had picked it, I thought that this is again a competition. They can when they played Seattle, when Galaxy played um, LAFC, they put out their best eleven and saw it as an opportunity to like continue to improve your squad. And mm-hmm. also, you know, Seattle put out their B or C team, and LAFC put out their B or C team, and and they brought like LA, LA Galaxy used that as like a, a a moment. So I think there's a belief now. That they can go and 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 do something. I think I had them in there, but I yeah. I, fine. No, I'm you know what? You, you've swayed me. I think the Galaxy have uh, definitely. Salt Lake's a tough game, though, Jimmy. It's a tough game. It's a tough away game. from home. It's tough. They're not, they're not playing the Rapids. You know, they're playing a Galaxy team that that have that belief, as you say, and are going to be rolling out their top team. And at this point, I think all the teams were going to roll out their best players. So, yeah, I'll go Galaxy versus Houston. That means two away teams on that side, Heath. That's a little tricky, but I think maybe one of those two gets in, so we'll be half smart. And then the other side, I think Cincinnati and Birmingham, the two home teams are going to go through. So that's my final four. Final thoughts, Heath Pierce, before we send everybody on their way. What do you got for us? Uh, not a whole lot besides, uh, man, just a kind of a depressing weekend, Jimmy. I got to say it again. Just you going out of the tournament. Oh, you did. I thought you guys had sneaky. We, we got hosed. We got hosed. Um, you know, but all the people that I don't like, Jimmy, the people that I truly, that truly bother me went out of the tournament. And I do think uh, for for the for uh, the the TSC tournament, it was kind of cool to see the two teams that were probably the least, probably the lowest on the list of a lot a lot of teams on paper. When you look at like the backgrounds, the players, and whatever, make a final and get a million bucks. I think that's there's a little romanticism to that that I think 
not only going to bring the big teams that are going to be, you know, with Chuck's attitude of like, I'm only going if I'm going to win, uh, only to get knocked out in the first round type of thing, to like others that are going to try to build these squads, which is why the basketball tournament's done, whatever, eight, nine seasons now of this and how hard it is. Uh, Jimmy, I believe one of the guys that you worked with that was managing it, I had spoken to way early on about him wanting to put together a team before you guys linked up. And he, I think they'd been to the quarterfinals three or four times of the basketball tournament, but never gone further, right? But he was like addicted to like doing it more and more and more and loved it. And there's something really cool about that because it is a winner take all, which means, you know, you go to a quarterfinals, you're not sharing the prize, you know, the pool of the, there's not a, a cash right. pool. Well, you share the winner. sadness. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but I, I, what I loved about TST again was the romanticism for sure. And I wonder if when the Bayern Munich jump in or at the Barcelona Real Madrid's and when the oil money gets in, let's just, let's just cut to the chase. It, will there be room for those teams, the, the, the underdogs to, to actually get in there and, and have a chance to compete. I hope mm -hmm. it doesn't get too big too soon where you miss out on the, the type of stories that we learned about Newtown. So um, you can't though, like there's no way to skip. Like you can take Jimmy, you could take seven top premier league players just retired and try. I don't know if you'll win it. You yeah. might, Yeah. you have an advantage, but there is just a, because of the running subs, because of all these things, like you're ultimately going to play against teams and because of the gamification of the rules where it's just not that easy. If you did it that way, put a man United of like literally a team that retired one year and they go straight into this. You still have to beat a team twice. You know, it's right, not right, right, like right. No, it's if true. it was normal it's rules. True. Sure. That that's where that's why these things exist is because it levels the playing field in a lot of ways that, yeah. you know, I think certain teams could have run away with this tournament in, in standard rules, but that's not that's not the way it goes. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I think Como was a great example of being up and tiny goals, by the way, tiny goals. Well, yes. Uh, I, well, I was told they're going to be big goals, and they ended up being the goals that you see for like U10 through U or yeah. U8 through U14 or whatever. And uh, I had a six foot five goalkeeper on my team, Chris Kanapka, who hit his head on the crossbar. That's, I mean, he could stand <laughs> up straight and hit his head yeah. on the crossbar. All right, we're going to call it there, though. I want to shout out 90 Minute Baller in the comments who said he got to meet me and was excited that my team uh, beats Wrexham. So shout out to him and everybody else that supported us throughout that tournament. I uh, can't wait for next year already. So talk about being addicted. I am all in on TST moving forward. We'll see you again on Thursday, 1 p.m. Eastern. Thank you so much for listening to us. And in soccer, we trust. We appreciate your love and support. So on behalf of Producer Des, Producer Alex, Charlie Chuck Wagon Davies and his tooth, Hollywood Heath Pierce, I'm Cream Cheese Trash Can Conradino Conrad, also known as Jim Sane. Thank you again. We'll see you on Thursday. Later.